and welcome back, travelers, to another episode of Relish the Journey. As always, I'm your host, Miles Biggs, and this week's guest is Anthony Constantino, the founder of Sticker Mule. It's a website dedicated to custom printing, stickers, buttons, coasters, a lot of promotional materials. And Anthony reached out to me via LinkedIn, looking again at some podcasts to promote the brand, talk about their growing team, and how you can join it if you're interested. The conversation was really neat. I really had no idea what went into printing stickers. And these this company is all over the world, and it's just really great story, great attitude about growing and scaling a team, surrounding yourself with the right people for success, and moving fast. People move too slow. So enjoy this conversation with Anthony, and be sure to check us out when we post this on social for some cool details on a giveaway. All right, enjoy. Anthony, thanks for joining me. Appreciate your time. Awesome. Happy to be here, Miles. So for people that don't have any idea what Sticker Mule is, what's the elevator pitch you give about the company? You know, lately I've been telling people we're the fastest growing company in New York State because most of my conversations have been around recruiting. So, um, you know, the elevator pitch is, you know, we're the fastest growing company in New York State, the fastest growing internet printing company in general. And the reason we're in that situation is because we make it easier to buy than anyone else has ever made it before. Sure. And so how do you, how do you do it? How do you do that? How do you make it easier? Well, you know, when we started the company, um, the talk uh, in the world was people buy for two reasons, price and quality, and everyone's like shopping for, for those two things only. But our thought was people care a lot about transaction time. And when you first get into the world of printing, you know, years ago when we started, it was really the beginning of the internet. But when, when you first looked at the, the, the world back then, most uh, printing transactions took four to eight hours and spanned over a few day period. And we took a process that took four to eight hours and turned it into something that you can do in really under 30 seconds. And in doing that, what we saw is there's a whole world of people out there that are willing to buy if it doesn't take them two days to place their order. I mean, if it takes you four hours to buy stickers, you know, you're probably not going to buy stickers for your cat. But if you can do it in 30 seconds and you're like, I don't buy stickers for my cat or my, you know, my kids or any number of things. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, that was really our key to success. So people buy stickers for their cats? That's a thing? People buy, oh, yeah, just cat stickers and girlfriend stickers, boyfriend stickers, all sorts of stickers. That's funny. <laughs> so what's the yeah. what's the weirdest sticker you guys have been asked to print? Uh, you know, there's <laughs> just plenty of them that, that I used to look at them closely. I'm not looking at the designs anymore. And, and uh, probably the ones that are coming to mind, I shouldn't say. But uh, you know, some <laughs> risque ones. Sure. But, uh, yeah. That's funny. Yeah, if if you open the door, right, and say print anything, and that's what you get is yeah. I mean, most of the stuff's pretty normal, but every now and then, you know, you get all. Uh, we don't have any discrimination against people that want nudity, and you get some odd things in that regard. Sure. So, your LinkedIn profile—that's where we met—was on LinkedIn. Um, just it mentions you as the co-founder. So, is it you and a group of people? You and one other person? You know, originally what, what happened was is uh, I had a, a friend of mine that was nearing 70 and he managed to get through his entire career without even using a computer. And he finally had gotten one and he asked me for help on it just before Christmas 2010. And I got, I got together with him and I was talking. We had both been in manufacturing our whole life, him for 40 years and me for a little less than that. And I said to him, I just started saying to him that it would be good for manufacturers to come onto the internet one day. And he looked at me kind of confused and said, well, what do people do on the internet? And I, sh- I showed him Zazzle, who's, who's still doing really well, I believe. Yeah. And he took off 
went home and came and saw me the next morning and said, you know, I really think we should start a company together. And I said, yeah, 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 you know, maybe. I was kind of just, you know, kidding. He's like, no, I'm serious. He's like, we need to start a company together. I said, all right, give me some time to think about it. He said, no, I want you to decide now or, or never. Because he's like, from what I can tell, you're already seven years too late to get onto the internet. He goes, so it's, it's now or never. So I said, all right, I guess I'll, I guess I'll do it. And, uh, you know, I ended up grabbing my brother and me, him and my brother, and we grabbed uh, two other friends. We all got together and, and uh, started Sticker Meal. That's cool. So why stickers? Of all the things that you could put on the internet what made you pick stickers well we were manufacturing guys at heart and i've been in a factory guy my, my whole life and um what really happens we, we had that conversation we decided to get started immediately and we ended up launching four months later we called our developers about two or three weeks later and we said you know we want to get on we need your help building a an internet company we found the development shop we said we, we need your help building an internet company and they said uh well what, what do you guys want to make he said, well, we have no idea, some sort of manufactured product. They said, well, what do you want to spend? He said, well, we have no idea. We never did anything on the internet before. He said, well, we don't want to be rude, but we don't think we can work with you. You guys don't know what you want to make. You don't know what you want to spend. We really don't think we can work with you. My, my co-founder chimed in and said, look, you know, we have a budget of X amount. And I said, all right, we can see you tomorrow. I guess the budget seemed reasonable. So we went and saw him almost immediately. And he said, we really like you guys. We'd like to work with you, but you really got to figure out what you want to do if you can figure that out we can get started almost immediately so i went home talked for a little while and said what could we do we threw around a few options and stickers seemed you know reasonably easy to get into so we went in that direction so at the time were there other people dominating the sticker you know the sticker space yeah you know, at the time stickers was we didn't really look to see you know what's their competition or this that or the other thing we really just wanted to get a manufactured product and we thought that no one had really brought me you know, no one had really done a great job of making it easy to buy any type of manufactured or printed product. So there were some other players, but uh, there still are. But um, that wasn't really a concern for us. Sure. So then the name. I love the way you use the name, you know, like stickers that kick ass. And then you play off, so you play off Mule, with Sticker Mule. But I just feel <laughs> like there's a story there of how you ended up with that as the name. There could be, but I think a lot of it just came down to the speed. You know, my, my co-founder was outstanding about making us move fast and we, we spent a lot of time to think about it we saw the developers they said pick a product we went back and we said we've added a few things around we said stickers and then i remember being with my brother and throwing around you know stickers plus this we wanted to do an animal because we thought animals would be funny we threw around a few different animal names and they're like oh mule sticker mule that sounds cool like you're not gonna do you know sticker rabbit that sounds ridiculous <laughs> sure it just, it just sounded right and we like mule because it's I think it represented our values from day one, which is we, we all have tremendous work ethic and we're modest people. That, you know, so I think, uh, I think it represented our values. That's neat. So any, so, I'm just, it's interesting. <laughs> I was expecting a different story. So you just literally picked it out of thin air <laughs> and you went with it, which is, which is cool. But so any, you know, logo remorse or name remorse along the way where it sure didn't take off overnight and you're like, why the hell we call this thing sticker mule, you know? <laughs> No, we, we never had that. I mean, from day one, what happened, we, we launched the site and um, we got orders the first day. In fact, we got over, you know, 10 orders our first day, which we you know, thought was unbelievable. And, and, and the success really happened immediately. The, the first thing that happened to us was at the time, there was a lot of people that were talking about, I guess it was called Web2O at the time. And there was all these bloggers that were talking about cool new websites. And we got picked up almost immediately by like about 100 different websites that were like, 
were just talking about, you know, they, they were just people that would like to talk about what's cool on the internet. And they're like, sticker mill, cool new site, check it out. And that got us initial buzz. And from there, everyone's always thought really pretty fondly of our brand. And, you know, we've had conversations with that people come and say, oh, you got a great brand, you got a great logo. And, you know, our attitude and the attitude of our, our lead designer is, uh, if you build a great company, people think you have a great brand. We probably could have named it anything. And, and it would have worked because there's so many companies out there that have funny names that if the, the company didn't back the name with great service and, and great support, you'd be like, that's a really weird name. It doesn't make any sense oh, 100%. at all. Like, what, but, is, what did Amazon know, mean before Amazon? You know, it was just yeah. the freaking jungle, <laughs> you know, and now and it's we were, Yeah, if we were sticker mule and the website looked terrible and the customer support was terrible and we never went anywhere, you'd be like, that's a silly name for a company. But in fact, a lot of my friends, I remember when we first started, all my friends that I was, you know, starting a company and, and they're like, well, what are you going to do? And it's just, you know, stickers. It's going called Sticker Mill. And, you know, they still secretly laughed about it. Some of them laughed in my face and laughed, you know, secretly. And they still tell me to this day, they're like, you know, we thought you were crazy. <laughs> but, uh, so, you know, but other people, they see the brand now, they see the logo and they're like, oh, you have a great logo. How'd you ever come up with that? Well, the truth of the matter is we, we come up with our, our logo and our web design in about, really about a week um, after I saw our developers you know, we, we, we picked the product, we picked the name, and then I didn't know how to design a website. I had a, I had a friend of mine that lived in my town, and I said, hey, you know, I'm thinking about starting a company. If you have any free time, you could help me design the website. And he said to me, geez, you know, I never designed a website before, but I always wanted to. I said, okay, well, you can design ours. So, he, you know, he, he designed our website in about a week, and we sent it off to the developers, and we got it up you know, a few weeks later. And like I said, right away, the internet just thought it was awesome. That's great. So then from there, it's like, what, nine years later? Is that, is that right? It's about, yeah. Well, we started 2010, so I don't know yeah, what it is right now. About nine years yeah. later. So how, how is it different today than it was nine years ago? The company? Uh, yeah. You know, more people. <laughs> more people. The, the design? The design, amazingly, you know, there's a thing that says, you know, uh, good design is long-lasting. And I think we've done a you know, tremendous job of, you know, building design that is long-lasting. We've tweaked it since day one. But if you were to look at our original design, it really doesn't look much different from what it is today. I think we made probably our biggest change maybe maybe six to t- 12 months after launching. We made our biggest change, which really wasn't much of a change at all. The layout and the formatting kind of stayed the same, but we, you know, we tweaked it a bit. But uh, really since year one or two, there's been almost you know no change to, to the the design of the site, except for very subtle things, you know, around the edges, because, you know, it is a solid design, it works, and I see a lot of other people on the internet that are constantly fiddling with their design, and I don't really, I don't know, <laughs> seems like a bit wasteful, because on the internet, you know, you have a conversion rate on your design, and you could, I guess, go doing all sorts of big tests to try to fiddle with getting your conversion rate higher through, you know, a big brain, big bang approach to a redesign, but we've gotten our conversion and uh our conversion higher and our customers more interested in working with really through service improvements more than through anything else yeah well and it's it seems like the culture you created at the very beginning like quick pick something stickers okay what do you call it sticker mule like you just you didn't think too much and there's a brilliance there where too many people overthink it like you said design yeah. and redesign instead of just go with your gut and keep moving yeah, a lot of people overthink things and they, they waste time. And in fact, you know, we're really into conversion rate optimization. But you know, if you're if you're into that world, a lot of people care about A/B testing. And we, you know, we, we were A/B testing stuff for a little while. I wrote an article a few years ago about you know why we stopped A/B testing, and we did completely abandon it because 
for us, it was it was really just eating up tremendous amounts of time. And we saw that our decision making was like leading towards you know a steady improvement in our conversion rates. As it looked like, you know, I trust our decision making. I trust what we're doing. And these little tweaks to try to do things and test things and spend forever. It's just, it really was just, you know, eating up tremendous amounts of time. The other thing we saw through conversion rate testing, A-B testing, is that, you know, really 98% of the things that we, we tried didn't work. So most of these, like, clever, you know, design ideas people have to try to get people buying, they, they really don't do anything. People don't notice 90% of the on your site. They focus in on very few things. They spend very little time on the site. They make a snap judgment really in, in seconds. So, um, yeah. Yeah, really. They're, they're operating the same way you guys were when you started it. Like, I just want yeah. to go, make a decision, and be done. And Yeah, I want to go, make a decision, be done. And then the thing that really works for us is is really just the service improvements that we're able to make that, that aren't really necessarily design-related. Sure. Well, and you talked at the beginning, you mentioned that you're trying to recruit. And so I can see mm-hmm. on the career side of your website, you guys are in 17 different countries, which is pretty crazy. Yep. So <laughs> how did that happen? You know, you start in New York. When does yeah. it all of a sudden become an international company? Well, we didn't. Not only start, we started in a very small town in New York, upstate New York, not New York City. That's where I'm from. And, and uh, from the get-go, you know, we wanted to build a, a, an outstanding company. We wanted the best people that we could find. And I realized, I think, early on that if you limit yourself to people in your town or in, in your vicinity, there's, there's a finite pool of applicants to pull from. So we thought, we want the best people in the world. Well, the best people are in the world are spread out across the world. And the first development shop we worked with had uh, three guys that were spread across the United States. One was in D.C., another one was in England, another one was in Ireland. And they, they were outstanding to work with. And we ended up uh, taking one of the people from our dev partner. And he joined us, and he ended up becoming our VP of software. That was my first experience hiring somebody overseas, and he was outstanding. And from there on, I, I just really said, I don't really care where people are. I just want, I want great people. Sure, and that's the beauty of the Internet. And, and design, yeah. like you're saying, is... You can work anywhere as long as you have an internet connection and you know an Adobe license. You're good to go. It takes some effort to, to figure out how to pull it off. What helped us tremendously is we baked the remote culture in from day one, and we built systems to facilitate it from day one. I remember our first customer service person actually was local, and one day he came to me and said, "I'd like to move to North Carolina." And I said, "Geez, like doesn't be pain in the ass because he was in the factory every day." And, you know, he was always, like, talking directly to the factory workers, resolving problems that would be really stressful. But I decided, you know, why don't you go do it? Because the good thing about this is you're going to force us to build systems that you can provide customer service from another state. So he he, he left, and that forced us to build customer service processes that didn't rely on somebody being in the factory. And if you think about it, most very large companies have customer service in separate facilities and they need to build systems around that. Sure. But, uh, yeah, you have to, you know, it, it helped that we built in processes to get it done from day one. Right. From day one. And so how have you guys dealt with the whole millennial question? You know, I've talked to somebody on here about that, about the millennial worker and the stereotypes surrounding them. And just, I wonder, since you have remoteness baked in from the beginning, like you said, and it seems like you're a forward-thinking company, that might even be an issue for you. But what have you found as an employer that you need to keep innovating from a sort of an HR standpoint to keep attracting those quality people? Well, we have a tremendous number of uh, young people working for us. In fact, our head of social uh, actually is a 
kid that contacted me when he was a sophomore in high school through Twitter, and he, he just wrote an outstanding introduction and said he'd like to come work for us as an intern. And he's been working for us since I think he was 15 or 16 years old, and he ended up building our social presence into what I, what I believe is one of the most active brands on Twitter. I think the only brand that surpasses us in terms of engagement are people like Nike and Wendy's, but <laughs> otherwise, if you check us out on Twitter, we're, we're about the best there is, and that's led by a kid that's now a freshman in college. In the factory, we have tremendous numbers of young people, and so I, I haven't seen you know an issue, a generational issue at all. Like we had, What we've done to mitigate hiring problems in general is we've implemented very aggressive recruiting drives. So, you know, we market aggressively to get as many applicants in as possible. And then we have a, a structured interview process where it's not just a subjective opinion. you got to go through an interview committee to get, to get to work with us. And putting some structure around hiring has, has dramatically improved the success rate of our new hires. Yeah. What's your favorite interview question? Jeez, I don't know. I don't, you know, I, we used to, I haven't done interviews in a long time, and I used to always start off interviewing. saying, I don't really do trick questions. In fact, my interviewing style, I don't know if, uh, if most people will follow it. My interviewing style was always like, I just talked and told the story of Sticker Mill and just tried to see how people responded to, to my interactions and see if they responded in a way that I thought was sensible or not. And But to be honest, I'd say my success with hiring without a structured process was maybe 50%. But I always, you know, my attitude was always like, I'm not afraid to hire and I'm not afraid to um, fire people either. So if I ever made a mistake, I'd go in person, I just corrected it. But I'd re- I prefer the approach we take where we have a structured process. That's, that's, that's led to a much higher success rate, probably I don't know, 90, 90% success rate now with new hires. That's great. Yeah, it's, it's a great number. Yeah, yeah. But we don't do, you know, we don't do silly questions or things like that. We do questions that are really geared towards, well, we do an upfront work sample test, which is, uh, you know, our HR department designs that. That's basically a simple test that shouldn't take too long that just gauges the person's ability to actually do the job. And then in the interview, we ask them, you know, very structured questions decided by HR around like their ability to do the job and then we, we, we actually have a grading system we average the grades across the committee and then the committee submits uh, suggestions but, makes sense yeah we don't like kind of like trick questions and, yeah right you know, like, some people do brain teasers and you know something like i'm looking for this particular answer but <laughs> i'm gonna you know phrase this thing in a funny way and see how you respond I'm not, I'm not ready for doing that yeah it's like i always love those you know if you were sandwich what sandwich would you be <laughs> yeah, sad. you know, when you're building your team, like in, in the beginning, like you know, I talked a little bit more my approach, like about not being afraid to hire, not being afraid to fire. Like when you're building your team, you're starting a new company. It's important you get the best possible people. So, you know, I was very aggressive about courting people, seeing if I felt like I had a personal connection with them, and then you know, taking action. If, if I thought I had a connection with them, I thought they'd be good for us. You know, I almost always grabbed them. But then, you know, if I make a mistake, I I correct the mistake as well and I, I think when you're you know you're building out your core team and, and you're a small company that's probably the way that's probably the way to be probably having a, a structured process like we have now probably would have been slow and efficient maybe you know not ideal for for a small company but you know, right. as, you, as you hit scale you need to you know structure off this a lot because you don't want people just subjectively making friends and using their gun instincts right yeah it makes sense you, men- people yeah. you mentioned you're talking about social media before some pretty big brand names and some of those brand names I saw on your website that you guys have worked with. So yeah. that had to be kind of cool, right? It's like, oh, did we just get an order from, you know, Google? They're ordering stickers from us. 
Yeah. Did... Oh, I mean, in the in the beginning, yeah, super exciting. Even even it's still exciting. I, I, we went through the factory. We just launched uh, Custom Coaster. It's a brand new product for us. And I was walking through the factory. I saw we had an order from Rockstar Energy Drinks, and I was like, I mean, they're, they're I drank their drinks, and I was like that's cool. Like our first day, and like a big name brand already jumped in. That was just me being there for two minutes and seeing what was on what was on the machine. So you know, I have no idea what else came in, but yeah, it is exciting. It's especially exciting. You know, for new products to see that some of these brands are are so into us that they're they're just there immediately. We launch something and they're all over it. Yeah, that's awesome. So you said you just okay. launched coasters. Yep. I, yeah, I think uh, somebody, I think Twitter also purchased uh, day one as well. So like, that was pretty cool. That is cool. And I see you have stickers, of course, and then buttons yep. and bumper stickers, things like that. What's what's the future hold? Do you think it's almost ten years in the second? The next 10 years of Sticker Mule, what do you think you guys are going to branch out into? Uh, you know, we're a privately owned company. And in fact, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, we, I started with partners, but they exited the company. I'm the sole owner. So what I tell everyone that works for us is, you know, we can be as big or as small as we want to be. There's really no pressure on us to grow. So we take things easy and we do things at a pace that uh, makes sense. And, you know, we like growth. We like success. But we also like having a nice work-life balance. So my number one focus right now is – um. I think really more more than anything is is making the sticker mill story known and building the sticker mill brand in the in our local community because we're hiring more in the factory and we realized recently that having a strong brand locally improves like the, the happiness of the people in the factory and uh, it helps with retention. It just helps with you know people are proud to work in a company where when you have a strong brand and especially I'm in a small community as a, a depressed community you know, since I was a child and you know since I was a child I think. We've lost like 50% of our population because most of the, the employers in this area closed. We were manufacturing town and most of the manufacturing left. So my focus right now is just is building the brand locally and letting people in my city know that there's an outstanding tech company that's also a manufacturing company in, in their hometown and they should work here and be, be proud to work here. Yeah, that's awesome. So you, you call it a tech company there. Mm-hmm. That, so what sort of technology goes into printing stickers? <laughs> yeah, I really have no idea. I'm I'm interested now. It's how complicated yeah. it is because it seems like it'd be simple, right? I'm in everyone's brain is probably just a big machine stamping out stickers in one fell swoop, and it's sure not that. Yeah, I mean, without uh, opening the curtain too much and sharing too many of our secrets, I mean, there's a tremendous amount that goes in into what we do, and we're able to build up tremendous competitive advantage. But first of all, the website itself, I mentioned, we don't change the design much, but once you go past the front-end design, you you know, you get into the ordering process, we spend a tremendous amount of effort polishing. The systems we have in place to facilitate, like, you know, facilitate your ordering and making it as seamless as possible and, and removing all, like, sources of friction. So I tell people in the beginning, you know, what, I, what our attitude was was that, People don't really want to talk to us, and a lot of companies think that, like, you know, great service is talking to customers. And our attitude is, like, customers don't really want to talk to to companies. And if they are contacting you, it's because there's something wrong with your service. So we look at every every time a customer sends in an inquiry, we look at every single inquiry. And we say, what can we do, hopefully, through software, to make sure this inquiry never happens again? So... That ends up being no majorly exciting stories. It ends up being lots and lots of small 
you know, small things that are resolved like through software. But, you know, on the back end, you know, I've been a manufacturer my whole life. Like the, the off the shelf software that exists to manage manufacturing just isn't that great. So we built all of our systems from the ground up to, to manage manufacturing, scale manufacturing, scale our proofing system, scale our proofing process. Yeah, there's, there's a tremendous amount of good into it. And then beyond that, it's like, you know, I, it's cool. Like, I think it's cool, but we, we've even gone so far as uh, to, you know, the machines that we use. No one does this except us, but the machines that we use, we actually bought a license to directly modify the software, and our developers, uh, you know, write the software for the machines. And we, we even have a, a small engineering team that designs stuff for machines for us so that wow. we can address every, you know, every opportunity to improve and make this process more seamless, make the process faster, you know, what we're doing. So... I don't think there's very many people in manufacturing that are writing their own machine software or, you know, building their own machines. We've built about four of our own machines to, to uh, polish off or improve various aspects of our processes. That's impressive. And that ties right back into what you said. You can be as big or as small as you want. You know, if someone doesn't make the machine for you, you're making it yourself. So there's no excuses. Yeah. I mean, when you build a very, you know, most machine manufacturers are very, um, generic they build generic products with the you know or sell machine you got to sell it for a lot of different like use cases but if our focus is just you know we have a handful of product lines there are opportunities to optimize the machine through both software and hardware to make more sense for that particular use case but you know most people i, I just yeah i don't think I, I don't think that there's very many other manufacturers that have gotten to that point certainly not in our space yeah so in the whole process of, of building and scaling sticker mule what was the What's been the high point for you so far? The best moment? You know, the high point for me has probably been some of the talent we've been able to acquire uh, along the way. I mean, we have people in 16 or 17 countries. We have a factory in the United States and a a factory in in Italy. And really, you know, through this whole journey, I've been able to acquire some amazing talent that's been become, you know, uh, very close friends of mine. In fact, our head of engineering of software engineering is in Italy that oversees the factory out there. I spent two months with him out there, and because of that relationship, I mean, we've had a great friendship since we met. But uh, you know, I got to last summer. I went, I went with him and his family to the camping, camping in the Dolomites in Italy, which was something I never would have done before. But I was like, you know, it was really. I think that part was a highlight for me was being able to build a relationship with somebody that gave me an experience I never would have had before, and to be able to say. I have, you know, great friends all over all over the world now, and, and interesting people that you know, I, I wouldn't have any reason to know otherwise, if not for sticker meal. Sure. So why Italy? Why a factory uh, in Italy? We like to move quickly and do things that confuse people. And um, you know what happened there was I don't know. I, I like to try to create amusing stories. And what happened there was I, I was online one day and I was on a sticker website that sold programming themed stickers. And the live chat thing popped up and said hello to me. And I said hello back, and, and we started talking. It turned out that the, the guy that ran the company was, was Italian, and I thought it was an, an American company. He said, "No, I, I sell to America, but you know, I live in Italy." He said, "Why the heck don't you guys sell to Europe?" I said, "I don't know. It's a hassle." He's like, "Well, you're missing out. There's there's no competition over here." I was like, "Well, do you want to help us?" And he said, "You know, sure. Like, you know, I'd be I'd be happy to help you guys." So he started doing some consulting for us on how to build a marketing strategy to to get to Europe. And then, as luck would have it. I ended up buying a, a machine that was in Italy, and I went over to Italy to, to buy the machine, and I, I said to the guy, because he was nearby where the machine was, I said, hey, I'm going to be in Italy, you want to hang out? We hung out, and we had a great time, we became friends, and um, from there on, I said, why don't you just join us? So he, he, we actually absorbed his company into our company, 
and uh, you know he, he built our whole marketing strategy for Europe, and it, it went really well. And then we ended up through him bringing some uh, engineers on board as well in Italy to start designing uh, custom equipment, as I mentioned. And I said, look, we got customer service operation in Italy now. We got marketing in Italy. We got engineers in Italy designing you know custom manufacturing equipment, automation equipment for us. So you know, it'd be a lot easier to test the automation equipment if we had a factory in Italy too. So we you know, we opened up a factory in Italy so that you know we could service the European market and also test our automation ideas directly. So, but these things sort of happen serendipitously, and I think it mostly happened because you know we wanted to make it a, a good story. Yeah, and that's an awesome story. <laughs> and I'm curious yeah. about about stickers in general because it seems like it'd be a universal thing, right? You peel, you stick, you promote. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Do you have to approach, you mentioned a marketing strategy, is there a different way to approach the sale of stickers and those kind of promotional items in Europe versus the United States? No, no, it's generally, you know, the same. I mean, for us to build out our marketing strategy, there was a lot of technical changes that we needed to make to be in compliance with the uh, European Union. And so, you know, because of that, we weren't even shipping to the European Union when I first met the guy because we didn't want to comply. And you know, we so we had to go through. I actually wrote an article on this as well. I wrote a blog post on like the twelve steps to becoming an international company, and they went through all the different levels of things that we needed to resolve in order to become a viable manufacturer sure. for the European market. It turns out, like Europe is incredible, you know, incredibly more regulated than the United States, which is, you know, really a, a blessing. It's a blessing and a curse. It's like it's a blessing for people that have the resources to build software that meets the regulations. But it took us tremendous effort to write the software to meet the regulations in Europe. So the the blessing part is if you have the resources to build, you know, to meet the regulations of Europe, you know, you end up entering a market where there's not a lot of competition. The the downside of it is, you know, there's not a lot of competition because for small players, they have to comply with all the regulations before they can really get started selling over there. Right. Makes sense. So, yeah, it's uh, you know, been a fun, a fun experience. So if that was the, the best highlight, that trip over there and, and the relationships you've made, what's been the low point or a point that made you question the whole thing because it wasn't going uh, what you thought? You know, nothing ever made me question the whole thing. I do, you know, I've had some highs and lows when I tell everyone that works for us. Like, I, I think in general, you should always feel like, you know, your job is easy because if you, you know, I hear people that say, my job's hard. And, you know, if your job's hard, it means, generally means you're, you know, you're not very good at it because if you're good at your job, it should be, should be easy. And, you know, what I told all our people, because, you know, we're growing, our people have had a scale. I was like, what should happen and generally what does happen is, you know, every year or so as you're scaling, the job should get hard for a period of time, but you should be able to like learn it and get to a point where it becomes easy again. But if you can't scale up to meet the growing complexity of your job quickly enough, eventually there can become a, too much of a disparity between your your personal abilities and what the job requires of you and that's when work gets really really stressful and probably only one time in our history that i reached a point where i i didn't i felt like i had no idea what i was doing um and uh you know i was, I was able to push through it and, 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 and make that happen like early on i started building out our executive team and i made some mistakes and i thought you know i don't have the experience to do these jobs and the people i hired i thought did but they didn't seem like they were performing and i just didn't know what to do to rectify it and in the end you know, i ended up terminating some of the new hires i made and, and uh promoting people that actually worked with us from day one and, and i found that that stabilized the company and stabilized my mind and i, you know, I got past it so that, that was kind of a little point when i felt like that yeah i imagine it's got a lot 
going to be a lot to wear on your shoulders if you're the sole owner and everyone's depending on you across the world. You know, those are some heavy decisions to to make. Yeah, I, you know, I like to say at times, like generally, I, I try to avoid you know feeling that way, and I think I avoid feeling that way by being forward looking and thinking about you know what challenges uh, you know are in front of me, but. Yeah, for sure the, the, the biggest low point was when I first started building out our executive team and I made a bunch of, I hired a bunch of experienced people that were the wrong hires and really didn't know what to do to rectify it. And I was stressed out of my mind until one day I just said, all right, I got I to gotta let these people go and start over. And I did that and, and, and I found people in the organization and moved them in. Now our entire management team has been there since since day one. Our, our VP of software was our first uh, software developer. Our VP of HR was actually our first customer service person, plant managers. Uh, she's been with us since day one. Our VP of finance has been with us. She's our first financial person. And uh, yeah, I mean, we, it's, it's been it's been amazing. It's been a lot of fun also seeing, you know, the people, how they change and how I've changed over time. Sure. I bet. That's, that's great. Helps with the culture too, even though you're scaling with the the remote folks, like you're saying, that core group, just them being there from day one has to help. I mean, that's that's yeah. Great. They they know the company inside and out. They know each other inside and out, and it just creates a better environment for people where they see that you know there is room for growth. And, and at the end of the day, you know, our attitude is like no job's really so hard. I think people make things overly complicated by thinking, you know. I don't know. I've never done marketing before, so I need a marketing expert. Once you're going to do a marketing, you're like, eh, it's kind of just, you know, problem solving. How do I get sales to go up? Well, I don't know. <laughs> what options do I have to make sales go up? And you start trying things and see what happens. But, you know, early on, people, everyone says, oh, how, how do I run a factory? I must need a factory manager. How do I, you know, do marketing? How do I do HR? Like, I must need an experienced HR person. Um, you know, finance is technical and software development are technical, but even in software development, I remember our, our current VP of software, he thought, you know, he goes, I don't know how to manage people. I don't even know how to write code. I said, what do you think you need to do to know how to manage people? He said, well, it seems like most managers are really good at giving speeches in front of other people and they're really entertaining at dinner. And I said, that's not true. I said, I can't speak in front of other people. And, and I said, honestly, during dinner, people want to talk to each other. They don't want to talk to their boss. So I said, I don't <laughs> think that's what you need to know how to do. And so, you know, anyways, I was like, yeah, see, you know, I convinced him to take the job and he scaled up and he runs probably one of the best software organizations, you know, I, I think that you'll, you'll find. But, um, yeah, I, I think it helps. It has helped a lot of the culture to, to promote from within, not just with the, the senior management, but, you know, throughout the company, all the people in, in, in other positions have been promoted from within. Yeah, it's got to help with the recruiting you mentioned where people realize if I can get my foot in the door, I can grow yeah. here. You know, that that's a huge Yeah, point. you see a lot of stories. Yeah, yeah exactly. So along the way in building this business, what was a really good piece of advice that somebody gave you? Uh, you don't move fast. Just, just move fast. I remember, I was, you know, the, our, our lawyer to help us get started, he said of my, my co-founder, and I saw it myself, my, my, the biggest thing my co-founder helped with was he just pushed us to move quickly. And he said to me, he said, you know, there's no one that I've ever, my lawyer told me, because there's no one I've ever met in life that gets more things done in a day than, than your co-founder. And I, you know, I talked to him about it and he said, yeah, you know, speed kills, you know, so you can do a hundred things and the other guy's only doing five. You know, you can make more mistakes if you're, if you're doing more things. So, you know, that's my favorite bit of advice. I like to tell people now, it's like, time's fine that you can't make, you know, you, you can't make more time. You can always make more money. So if we make a financial mistake, you know, keep it moving and move on to the next thing, but don't waste time. You can't get it back. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it's the spirit of you can outwork someone. You get more done in the day than the next guy, then it builds over time and compounds. Yep. 
So if yeah. you had to give advice to somebody starting their own company, what advice would you give to them? Uh, you know, move quickly. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, you know, move quickly and, you know, we broke down every bit of work into, you know, everything in work is task management and like all you're really doing in business is like selecting the tasks you want to do, prior, selecting tasks, like prioritizing them and and then doing them. So when we got started with Sticker Mule, you know, my, my friend, my co-founder, like he, he started with a list of things we needed to get done. I didn't know how to start a company, but he started with a list of things that we needed to get done. We needed to incorporate, we needed a name, we needed a logo, you know, we needed all, you know, he's like, these are the things we need to do in order to start a company. And I realized after that, that, you know, it was really all business is, is just a series of tasks that you're, you know, you're iterating through. So, you know, if you have an idea, like write down the things that you need to do to, to get started and, and just start doing them. Sure. Yeah. It's the you essence know. of project management at the end of the day. Take the big task yeah. and break it up into smaller ones and yeah. start attacking it. Do and yeah. Don't write down vague things like, I don't know. I can't, I can't. I might have been thinking that way, but you know, don't, you know, people tend to talk in generalities like, you know, I don't know. I need a business plan. Uh, what does that mean? Sure. <laughs> like, I mean, you don't need a business plan. I've never written a business plan. Like, I've never written a plan for anything. I just write down, okay, in order to get this done, I need to do this, 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 and this. Well, that's where we're in the the absolute golden age of information, where you could say, you know, hey Alexa, how do I write a business plan? <laughs> you know, and she spits yeah, back right. a million different things. <laughs> or you go on YouTube and somebody's somebody's got a freaking video of him doing it for you you know and yeah. you can learn and teach yourself anything if you have yeah. the passion for it and you want yeah there's tremendous tremendous information out there and you, yeah, you can figure out most things there's, i'd say that and then you know i'm big on reverse reverse engineering like if, there, if there's something that you want to do look at somebody that's exceptional at it and you know and copy them and in our particular case you know we didn't reverse engineer from Patverse because you know that wasn't our inspiration we reverse engineered really uh, highly successful technology companies. We looked at what were they doing to become successful and how could we take some of their ideas into the sticker mill. Yeah. Well, I like how uh, in the beginning you mentioned, I don't even know if we had competitors. You know, you just, you knew what you wanted to build and you, you didn't want yourself to be tainted by what the other guys were doing. So yeah. that's awesome. I think too many people do it the opposite. It's how, oh, yeah. do I, how do I just take what they're already doing and put my twist on it instead of just reimagining yeah. it. Yeah. You know, for better or worse, a lot of people have copied our general design template. And I'm like, you know, more, you know our, our team used to get frustrated by it. And I'm like, you know, more power to them because at the end of the day, our design template isn't, you know, what makes us successful. But, uh, yeah, you know, copying other people, you're never going to, if you're just copying what you can see superficially, you, you're not going deep enough to know the exact mechanics of why that company is successful. Just like the stuff that you can see at the superficial level is a, is a small glimpse at like what's happening. And I used to give people the example of like Uber. I, I used to wonder myself, I'm like, Uber had what, hundreds, maybe, I don't know how many engineers they had, but I think hundreds, I don't know, a thousand. But um, if you look at the Uber app every day, it looked exactly the same. I said, like, what the heck do all the engineers do? I've been using this app for like three years and it hasn't changed. You know, but when I started running company myself, I was like, oh, there's a ton of stuff that happens behind the scenes in the company and, and that matters to make the company successful. It's not just the stuff that like competitors can see and copy at the source right. level. Well, like you're talking about with not changing your format, it's almost like compliment to them that you can't tell what they're doing, you know, because mm-hmm. their consistency is there. And, and yeah, people can copy your, your look, but they don't have the, the guy over in Italy making machines, you know, so... No. Um, it's almost like you probably smile to yourself and say, go ahead. You're doing what I did five years ago. You know, like, go ahead, take it. I'm already on to the next thing. Yeah, 
Exactly. If you, if you have an attitude of copying, you're always going to be a step behind. You gotta, you gotta chart your own course and decide if you want to do. Sure. So, how would you describe Stickle Mule in uh, three words? Three words. Three words, and it could be a phrase or it could be three individual words. I'm going to say best place to work, too, is like a mini word. Okay. You say, so best place. Well, how about best workplace? To best workplace, there you go. Two is like a small word, you know, like if, you're doing, if you're doing word counts, it's like, it's like, <laughs> the, you know, the software doesn't count that long. So, yeah, best workplace, you know. So why? Why do you think it's the best workplace? Yeah, because that was our driving desire. You know, it wasn't so much... Uh, anything else, it was, it was, you know, we wanted to make an outstanding place to work and we thought that we could make an idea in that regard and, and show that they're successful. And I was always frustrated with companies that were, you know, like, you know customer always comes first. And I'm like, that just does not seem like a healthy attitude for society because at the end of the day, like, you know, we're all, most of us work somewhere and, you know, a customer comes first attitude is, is, is an attitude that lets your boss say to you, hey, you know, I need you to stay until eight tonight because you got to get this done for the customer. Like, our attitude is like, look, everyone needs, a, everyone needs a job and most of us, you know, need to work and like, we should have an attitude, you know, people should have an attitude where their employees come first and if you put your employees first and the people that work here first, they're naturally going to want to take care of customers because it just makes sense. Yeah. You know, they want, they want the company to succeed and in order to succeed, you have to take care of customers. It just logical sense. But if you say to your people, you know, like Amazon says, you know, customers first, you know, really a lot of people that work at Amazon, they complain about the way things go at Amazon and say they don't take care of their employees. Yeah. Well, there's, they, you know, yeah, there's a reason when you're on the plane and they do the flight safety, they say, put the oxygen mask on yourself first and then help other people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you got to take care of your people. I, you know, it's just, it's just been our focus. That, you know, the people that work here come first. We wanted to build, you know, the, the absolute best place for people to work. And we wanted to show that having an employee first attitude could be, you know, successful. Like, you know, when I was before I did this, you know, you know, I worked other places and I was frustrated by, you know, what I saw and like stories I heard from friends and stuff like that. You know, even you're younger, you're idealistic and you're like, oh, like, I could do so much better. The world could be so much better. And I was like, I didn't want to just say, like, oh, like, my employer should be better, my boss should be better. Like, work could be better. I wanted to say, you know, I wanted to show people, like, place to work and be successful in the end it, it makes sense because as I said if your attitude isn't your employees come first your employees are going to naturally say this is a great place to work I'd like to see it continue to be successful you know let's, let's do our best we can to take care of the people that are you know buying from us right on I'm with you so what else do you want to say to people that might be thinking about applying to join your team to work at the, the best workplace Go on the website, check us out, signal.com, phone slash careers. We got a bunch of information there, a fun video that gives you a little bit of glimpse of, you know, what it's like inside us. And if you want a sense of our, you know, attitude and positive, you know, somewhat goofy spirit, check us out on Twitter. Just a little sense of our personality and, and uh, you know, what it's you know, what we're, what we're like. But, you know, until you get in and, you're, you know, you're here every day, it's, you know, it's hard to see. But I definitely would encourage anyone interested to go online and apply. You get to, you know, all right that's a wrap for this episode of relish the journey thank you to anthony constantino for being our guest make sure you follow sticker mule on social media they're at sticker mule on twitter and instagram and check them out at stickermule.com for all of your custom printing needs till next time everybody relish the journey cheers